Ladies and gentlemen, let's talk brass taps and tasty snacks. Let's talk the Handlebar Chico. They are a craft beer bar and restaurant right here in Chico on the south end of town, and they have a happy hour seven darn days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. You get a dollar off all of their draft beers. They have 28 on tap for your selection. Try them all if you want. Again, that's the Handlebar right here in town, located at 2070 East 20th Street. Again, their happy hour is seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. Go check them out. Handlebar Chico. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast and radio show based in Chico, California. I am Max Minardi. Johnny Summers reporting for duty. This week on the show, a double feature, our reviews of Babylon, the latest from director Damien Chazelle starring Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, and Diego Calva, as well as our thoughts on Brendan Fraser's return to the silver screen and director Darren Aronofsky's The Whale. But before we get to any of that, Johnny Summers, what are we drinking this week? We are drinking two beers from Good Life Brewing out of Bend, Oregon. The first is is Sippy Cup, a hazy pale ale that's 6.4%, and the second is Descender, a year-round IPA, clocking in at 7%. If you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, we hope you're having a terrific Thursday evening. As a quick heads up, you're only going to be hearing the first 30 minutes of our show, which includes our first beer review and the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of Babylon. That said, if you are so inclined to listen to our show in its entirety, which includes spoilers for Babylon, our thoughts on Descender from Good Life, our complete thoughts on The Whale, and the always entertaining hot and bothered segment, Johnny will tell you what to do. You should go search for the Fresh Hop Cinema Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We release new episodes every Friday morning at 7 a.m. and have been doing so since 2016. If you like the show, feel free to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and let us know you did. Go brag about that cool thing you just did. Uh, and to hang out with us on social media, search Fresh Hop Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, or Untapped, or just head over to the website FreshHopCinema.com. That's right. Really quickly, we're going to talk our holiday giveaway box one more time. It's uh, at the time of this release. It's been up on our Instagram for just a couple of days. And as a reminder, we're giving away something to ring in the new year, and, and more than one something. We're giving away a $25 gift card to our local Cinemark here in Chico, or, or truthfully, any Cinemark if you live uh, in a city with that, and you have a Cinemark theater, this gift card will apply to that. We're also giving away a surprise Christmas beverage from our podcast seller, a Fresh Hop Cinema t-shirt, two koozies, and two stickers. Now, to enter for your chance to win this lovely gift package from us, uh, like our giveaway post on Instagram, for one, tag a friend you'd want to drink beer with and watch a movie with, and then share that post to your story. Make sure to tag us, and of course, be following our account to be eligible. you got to be 21 to enter, and the contest ends January 3rd. And we will announce a winner on the 4th or the 5th or, or maybe on the next episode. Either way, we'll get in touch with you. So please, again, go like that post. Follow the instructions there if you couldn't keep up with what I just said for your chance to win a super fun New Year's giveaway box. We're giving away a couple of them. So uh, please don't be shy. You've got a pretty good chance of winning if you compete. Am I missing anything there? I didn't know we were giving away two. I think we'll do two. Whoa. Yeah. Let's be generous. It's a new year, man. Right. We'll do one for Valentine's Day or something. Sure. Speaking of generosity. Yeah. If you want, if you think, wow, Max and Johnny, you guys really are generous. Is there a way for us to be generous back to you? You bet your bottom butt there is. And you can join us on Patreon to be that way. Johnny, what is Patreon? Well, it's where we expose our top butts. Sure. As opposed to That's that. our wallet. Yeah, exactly. No, it's a place where you can 
crowdsourced funds, GoFundMe type activities stuff. It's a way to support yeah. our podcast. It's a way to support the podcast. I always want to say crowdfund, but that is that the right? No, no, not really. No, it's not. No, it, you can you can support our podcast on an yeah. episodic basis for a monetary amount of your choosing, and depending on how much you choose to give, we give you access on varying levels of accessibility. So for as little as a dollar per episode, you can get uh, exclusive access to all of our bonus content, like our bonus beer reviews, which you might see in the next couple of days on our main feed. It kind of got through our defense uh, mechanisms, yeah, mechanisms, I yeah. guess, and made it out into the public, but. But for the majority of that stuff, it does not make it out of Patreon. So if you want that kind of stuff, dollar a week will get you that all the way up through ten dollars uh, a week, which gets you a lot more fun stuff. Exactly. That's Patreon.com/slash Fresh Hop Cinema. Um, I don't think I'm missing any other important stuff except for um, as we get into January here. Keep your eyes open on our Facebook group and on your Patreon feed for an announcement about our January bar hang, which will inevitably be coming up in a week or two. I want to do another digital movie watch along too. Those are always so fun. That was so fun. Maybe we really put some time into scheduling that and do it in like February. That'd be cool. Okay. Yeah. We'll get back on top of events here. I think uh, as the holidays kind of wind down here over the next week or two, uh, things will settle down a little bit and we'll mm -hmm. be more on top of scheduling and all that fun stuff. Most deaf. Uh, okay. I think that's everything with Patreon, correct? Correct. Okay. With Johnny Summers, that out of the way, let's, let's get into our content of the week. You've chosen beers. Tell me some stuff about Good Life Brewing. I have, man. Established in 2011 in Bend, Oregon, and this is the first time on the show. So welcome to Good Life. All right, yeah. Happy happy, uh, almost 12 years. Exactly. Okay. At Good Life Brewing Company, each brew is crafted with the finest quality ingredients money can buy. Northwest and selected import hops, quality malts, and highly prized pristine Central Oregon water. Our trademark is brewing an outstanding, well-balanced beer that's not overly bitter, sweet, or heavy. Our namesake is a tribute to the incredibly good life that we get to live in Bend, Oregon, our hometown. Whether on foot, bike, skis, and a kayak, on a cliff, over a mountain, or under a full moon, we hope our beer makes life better. So raise one up and cheers to the good life. All right. Can we just off the cuff, can we say that's a little annoying? Can we just can we address that? Like I already have you a little bit. Like Oregonians are always bragging about their water. Like yeah. our water, like we did that uh, that brewery. Um, Oh, from uh, from uh, Klamath Falls. I think it's probably Klamath Falls yeah. Brewing. And they were like, our our underground aquifer, our waters makes your water taste like urine. Yeah, and it seems like every every brewery in Oregon's like, your water sucks, and we're living our good life up here. It, I'm sure it's fine, and I don't want that to influence me, but I know it has a little <laughs> bit. You're just immediately irked. But they seem like a grown up, mature brewery. So, Johnny, what is beer number one? It's called Sippy Cup. All right. Yeah, boy, <laughs> it's a hazy pale ale, which we don't see a ton of. Mm -mm. Lots of. Uh, hazy IPAs. Sure. 6.4%. Sippy Cup from their website, we read. I will give major shout outs to Good all website. the information. Great website. Okay. All the info readily available. Uh, Sippy Cup is a hazy yet brightly golden color pale ale with a thick, creamy head bursting with juicy hop flavor and aroma. Utilizing a yeast strain from Imperial Organic Yeast, aptly named Juice, we use a light. Maltville with fruit forward hops, galaxy mosaic, and El Dorado. Melon, pineapple, black tea, and citrus notes are the upfront in the aroma on the 6.4% ABV treat. A light, medium bodied mouthfeel finishes with a burst of citrus tropical flavors and a very subtle bitterness. Uh, Sippy Cup Hazy Pale Ale is a breakout hit with everyone. It was released in early 2019, and it was brewed as a limited fun release beer and has since become so well-received that they decided to keep it year-round. All right. Um, that's, I mean, they're, they're, they're tooting their own horn a bit. Sippy Cup 
Hazy Palo is a breakout hit with everyone. We'll see, because here's two people who are going to be honest about it. It's in both of our glasses. You've poured more more better than I have. You've got a good-looking head on yours. So I will just talk about the color. They're pretty spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a, a dusty yellow. Pretty tough to see through. Not clear by any means. Yeah. A little bit of a soapy head around the top. Uh, no, no lacing, so to speak. But... Uh, Still looking like a pretty I, – I would have fallen for IPA. I don't know there's much distinction visually between a hazy IPA and a hazy you know, pale ale. Yeah, not visually. I think it all comes down to like ingredients and manufacturing yeah. pretty much. Right? So here's what I'm worried about. With something like a pale ale versus an IPA, a hazy in particular, I am worried that there's not going to be enough hoppiness in this and that the sweetness because of that is going to be really overwhelming. Mm. We're only at 6.4%, so it's not a particularly strong pale ale either. So that's my biggest concern going in. I'm imagining you have similar concerns, just knowing your your preferences and your your stances towards this. Well, towards towards the hazy beers in general. Yeah, I'm a broken record. That's always the concern is the sweetness and being a pale ale, not an IPA, less hops, more room for sweetness to creep in, mm-hmm. take over, and ruin my night. Okay, you've tried it though. Yeah, thoughts? Surprisingly good. Surprising in that it's not terribly sweet. Yeah, okay. yeah, uh, very punchy with the hoppiness and very tropical fruit punchy almost with that tang little little zippiness in there uh, i i enjoy that feels smooth to almost too bitter on the I back mean, end yeah on that mm-hmm, back end mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. that when it fades it's like the zippiness is is too strong there's a scratchiness on, on the back end for me it's like if if sour patch kids you know how the slogan is like first they're sweet then they're or first they're sour then they're sweet mm-hmm it's like if this beers would be like first it's kind of sweet and well round and then it pulls out razors as you swallow it. I don't. It's not. I mean, it's fine, but the back end definitely um, is where my my memory lingers after I finish mm-hmm. the entire drinking experience. It's good, but it's aggressive, and it's surprisingly aggressive because at first it is not that way. Yeah, most pale ales aren't that aggressive either. No, and I'm not sure why this one is that way. Um, but I would imagine it's a combination of that sweetness tr- attempting to be masked with with hoppiness. But there's there's a weird uh, conflict of balance there. For yeah, me. Like, oh, I do like it so far. I like it too, but it is wonky. There's there's some weirdness to this beer. Mm-hmm. It's not super straightforward and like one dimensional. It's multi dimensional. But I'm my mouth is still trying to figure out if all those dimensions are delicious. Okay, let's give it let's give it a rating and then talk about it more. Can we? Yeah, I need to take one more drink before I do it. But Thank I think you. okay, I just think that when we I think if you and I set each other up and, and and show our cards for our ratings, I think we can discuss why they are each there. Yeah. Because I know neither of us love it. I know that neither of us hate it. But I'd like to see how close we are. And let me take one more drink before you tell me yours because I don't want you to influence me. Yeah. Well, you've had your your last okay. sip. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. I have my number. Do you, do you have yours? I think I do. Let me. Okay. I'm going to jot mine down. If you don't want to know it yet, don't look at your notes. Okay. But I have my number. You just blink at me slowly when you know you have yours. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Mine's a five. What's five, yours? five. Five, five. Yeah, okay, we're very close. Why is it not higher for you? Because it doesn't know what it wants to be. It didn't really pick a lane. Like, this beer has an identity crisis. It wants to be hazy and juicy. It wants to be hoppy. Mm. It's like a pale ale that wants to be a hazy IPA that is just not sure how it got where it is. But here we are drinking it. Okay, so for your angle's identity crisis. Mine is that it knows what it wants to be. It's just not being it very well. It's being it okay, just about average for me. But I think what it's trying to be is a well-balanced, and by balance, I guess I'm referring to the sweetness and the bitterness components dancing together in a yeah. in a pleasing way. 
it's for me, it's definitely trying to be that. It's not attempting to be an IPA, I don't think. But that balance is not being struck in a way that is uh, c- completely harmonious the from start to, to the hop. Yeah, the sweetness to the hoppiness. That um, makes sense. I might be falling victim to set and setting, man, because every time I drink this beer in Bend, not this beer particularly, but mm-hmm. like any brewery in Bend, you yes. know, you're like, this is nice. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I feel like like they know it. They're, the whole thing is about like, hey, life's pretty sweet up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. The name of the brewery is a backpack. I do like that. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that a slogan? Or am I, oh, I'm thinking of Life's Good, LG. That's oh, yeah. the company. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, man, it's like a, it's a totally good beer. I dig it. Um, I actually think it might be closer to a six for me. So I'm going to change mine to a six because it is above average. I'll give it that. But it's not blowing me away. Why is your score? Uh, did I ask you why is it not higher? Mm-hmm. Why is it not lower? Because it's still uh, enjoyable enough for me to not hate it. What makes this above average? Uh, it's got a nice hot profile. What do you mean by nice? It's dry, which I like. It's got that okay. earthy profile, mm-hmm. which I'm I'm really partial to, uh, and I find that redeeming. It's it's quite enjoyable to drink if I'm not reviewing it critically. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot wrong with the, the structure of this beer, but just blindly, like if I just grabbed this at a barbecue and drank it, mm-hmm. it I would totally fine. Yeah, this yeah. is completely serviceable. Yeah, I think you're hitting on something important with um, with the the weight of this thing, because I think I think beers of this genre can can skew heavy because of two things, and if it has both of these things, it's going to be a low score for me. This only has one. This has overt sweetness. What it doesn't have is sweet maltiness. It doesn't have that hefty kind of heavy maltiness. This this manages to drink fairly light despite being pretty sweet. You know, and I think I think I mean sweetness when it comes to the flavor mm-hmm. rather than like the, the the body. You know, when something has, I guess it wouldn't be a sweet body, it'd be like a, a thick, full body, mm. um, which often can lead to sweetness. But but this doesn't have that. This drinks fairly light. It drinks lighter than than six point four, I think, which is why for me it's not below a five. That's just, fair. Just a little above. Yeah, I like it. Any other thoughts on sippy cup for now? No, I don't think so. Okay, once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. If you think we got this beer wrong or right, or if you have a beer or brewery you think we should review, go ahead and message us on Instagram. We're at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema. Or if you want, you can send an email to fhccast at gmail.com because we are always open to suggestions. That's right. If you get a chance to try Sippy Cup or any beers from Good Life, let us know what you think. And hey, if you like the show, go take 30 seconds and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, it really does only take a couple seconds, and it's one of the most efficient ways to help us get our show in front of potential new listeners. Besides, it's New Year's. Be a good person. Exactly. Incoming is a trailer for Babylon. If you haven't seen it yet, fear not. There are no spoilers in our next segment, so don't go anywhere. What about you? Sorry? If you could go anywhere in the whole world, where would you go? I always want to be part of something bigger. I love that answer. Something that lasts, that means something. Something more important than life. Yes. It's written in the stars. I am a star. If I had money, I would only spend it on things that were fun, you know? Not boring things like taxes. I'm just wanting for everyone to party forever. When I first moved to LA, signs on all the doors said, no actors or dogs allowed. I changed that. And now, y'all ready for something different? Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> 
do. We have to redefine the form. Map those dreams and print them into history. Look up and say, Eureka! I am not alone. Get a kicky, get a kicky, get a kicky. I'm in so much trouble, Manny. We have to live now. What I do means something. You thought this town needed you. It's bigger than you. It's the most magical place in the world. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film. If you're listening on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, you're only going to be hearing the first half of our show on the radio today. But if you like to hear the whole thing, you can subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever quality podcasts are found. It will be available tomorrow to stream at 7 a.m. So at the end of this, if you just can't get enough, and quite frankly, you should go check it out because there's a whole other movie hidden in that second yeah. half of the show, which very excited to talk about. Same. Yeah, go listen. Right, so what you just heard again was Babylon, or a trailer for Babylon, rather, which, according to Letterboxd, is a tale of outsized ambition and outrageous excess, tracing the rise and fall of multiple characters during an era of unbridled decadence and depravity in early Hollywood, that being the 1920s into the 30s. This film was written and directed by Damien Chazelle, who also did Whiplash um, in 2014, La La Land in 2016, and I think First Man was 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Um on this film was longtime cinematographer, partner of Damien Chazelle, Linus Sandgren. He worked with him on La La Land and First Man. And this film stars Diego Calva as Manny Torres, Margot Robbie as Nellie Leroy, Brad Pitt as Jack Conrad, and Hoven Adepo as Sidney Palmer. We can talk about who all of these characters are in the film, but before we get into that, it came out on uh, December 23rd in wide release in U.S. theaters and runs, I think, a pretty arduous and long three hours and nine minutes. So let's briefly unpack our backstory with Damien Chazelle. Me. Longtime fan. Well, I actually didn't see First Man, incidentally, not because I was like, I don't want to see it, but it just didn't happen. That said, I love Whiplash, love La La Land. You like Whiplash? That's where the confession comes in. Oh, okay. Is it that you haven't seen it? Instead, I've had your copy of it on DVD for about oh, three and a half years. I thought I owned that movie. <laughs> and still haven't watched it. Okay. Well, you you very much disliked La La Land. That was within our first six months of starting the show. We watched that, and that's when I first discovered you didn't like musicals. And yep. um, to this day, you and I don't agree on that movie. To this day, you haven't seen it again. Neither have I, to be fair. You really? Uh, I haven't. It's wow. one of those movies that took so much out of me. Um emotionally that I just can't bring myself to watch it again on a whim, but I do love it. Um, and as I, I think at least when I want to start talking about Babylon here, I think it functions beautifully as a counterpoint to La La Land, but we can talk about that in a little bit. First of all, Johnny, just kind of your general thoughts on Babylon and then give me a score if you would. Man, I thought this movie was a mess. Um, it, it was so manic and half the time it felt like I was watching it on fast forward. The other mm -hmm. part, portion of the time, I felt like I was watching it on half speed, slow mo, uh, if you will. <laughs> yeah, or slow mo. <laughs> sure. But the uh, the the dichotomy of having this manic, chaotic, wild energy 
and then you 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 counterbalance it with these super dramatic intense moments mm-hmm. but then try and end all those with comedy and then segue right back into the chaos it was just it felt like a movie that was using a lot of devices to propel the plot and i thought that the plot was very shallow and i didn't have a lot of empathy for any of the characters at all where i feel like they were attempting to tug at my heartstrings and elicit that okay it just didn't land for me okay and for this movie was a jumbled mess that like i get it it was about several people but i mean it was obviously more about an overarching idea mm-hmm. of out with the old and with the mm-hmm. new mm-hmm. technology advances you know the old elephants get left at the back of the herd essentially yeah, sure um so it wasn't very concise it didn't feel didn't feel cohesive it, f- it just felt like a mess it, it was not entertaining it was quite frankly a headache to watch and also okay. to sit through three hours was just absurd how far into the movie do you think before you started feeling give me a rating first give me a rating on 10 two seven two seven what did you rate la la land do you remember no idea it was it was probably lower. Yeah, it was probably. I think. I mean, I think so. But yeah. it was not. It was close to that. Number of songs go up. The rating goes down. Sure. Okay. Babylon for me, man, was um something I was obviously very much looking forward to. I think um, you know, as a film overall, I think it, even for me, it was. And I was again like going in like fully on board. Like I trust Damien Chazelle. It got pretty long in the tooth for me too. It's a very frenetically paced movie. There's a ton of stuff happening from basically the very beginning. You're thrown into this hyperbole of what Hollywood was at the time. Unless that's how it was. Who knows? Um, But either way, as a viewer, it's a ton to take in. And it basically never stops. There's moments of peace. And and maybe that's kind of what you're talking about with with the the, what you're saying, like watching it and fast forward versus half speed. Um, And some of that doesn't work. I don't like this as much as La La Land. I do like it. It made me upset to watch, which was not um, an experience I was expecting. Um, we're talking about the whale later in this episode and I watched the whale yesterday and I was going to use, cause I knew the whale was going to hit hard for whatever reason. And I thought this would be kind of an uplifting comedy of sorts, which it is. There's some really funny moments. I laughed out loud a lot during this movie. And then there's times where I was like really cringing and like, like, like recoiling from what was on screen, especially in a particular sequence, uh, which I'm sure if you know me, so I'm sure you could guess what I'm talking about. Um, like I, I like what this movie's trying to say, and, and as a counterpoint to La La Land, La La Land being a movie that is all about kind of like it's a cliche phrase, but like a love letter to, in, this, in that case, Hollywood. This being more of an indictment of the Hollywood machine, I think, is a really fascinating concept, and I I like the attempt here. So for me, out of ten, I think you know I think it's going to be about a seven. Whoa. Yeah, I there's some fantastic performances. I love the craft at work here. Like, okay, who had a fantastic performance? Margot Robbie was great. Margot Robbie was terrible. No, I so disagree with oh, you. I so disagree. I could not stand her. I also her thought in this Brad movie. Pitt was great. Brad Pitt was great. Okay. Also, like Diego Calva who is of those three people we of these three people we're talking about, by far the least famous one. Um plays Manny Torres and he is um well, his role changes quite a bit throughout the movie. He starts as sort of a uh, uh, what do you call this? Elephant Wrangler? I guess he is an elephant. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but he works for a producer of some kind. He works his way up the ranks. Yeah. I think he does a great job too. Um, I think there's some good performances. I think there are. I, think- I also love seeing movies being made 
Like nobody ever talks about the 1930s movies, like silent films. Like it's always like 1950s, like the golden age to today. Like there's so many movies about that and the magic. So it was super cool to see some of this stuff. I thought it was awesome. And Damien Chazelle knows how to film that stuff to, to elicit some real freneticism. Like there's a scene where they're filming uh, like a, like a medieval battle. Yeah. While they're also filming like six other movies, that stuff is so cool to me. And I love that the, like the scale of this is so huge. It was made on like $80 million or something. It's only made five so far. It that, might not do super well. That 10 minutes worked for me too. Okay. Yeah. So there's sequences for sure. And there's of course sequences that don't. So maybe when we get into more in-depth conversations here, we can talk about the specificity of what did and didn't work. But mm -hmm. for me, yeah, it's like, a, it's like a seven. And it, the reason it's not an eight or higher is that it just, um, part of it's the, co the cohesion though. I was more with it than you were. I think I'm okay with some of this bouncing around and what felt to you like inconsistencies and whatever. Um, what didn't work so much for me was, um, the, just such a bummer. Yeah. Like it's such, and it's, it's, he's right. Damien Chazelle is in telling the story. Like, I think that is probably the reality of a lot of this, but it bums me out. Mm -hmm. And there's some other stuff I can talk about, but, but thematically that was a big part for me that bummed me out. That's fair. So I'm gonna go seven. That's shockingly high. Yo, yours is shockingly low, my guy. Yeah. Uh, I should have made it a 7.2 to make it a mirror of yours. That would have made me happy in the notes, but should have. You have my copy of Whiplash and you haven't seen it? Yeah. Why haven't you watched it? I don't know. It's on Netflix also. I know. It's really good. I know. People get mad about Whiplash, by the way, because it's like it's a, basically a sports movie. Like jet, like musicians get mad at Whiplash. Mm. My friend Rob, who plays drums, does not like Whiplash. Oh, cause, really? Because the drumming's not right. Like, it's one of those. Oh. Um, but it's a really good movie. Freaking Miles Teller and that J.K. Simmons. Mm -hmm. World-class performances. Love me some J.K. Simmons. Also, controversial opinion on the ending of that, the movie does not end happily. Mm. They like it's played like it's happy, but when you really analyze it, it does not end. In my opinion, as a happy movie, I think you dig it quite a bit. Right. Not just for that reason, but also that reason. You know, I love not happy endings. Yeah. Um, okay. So then, that's a good enough. Well, I don't want to spoil anything. What else can we talk about with Babylon here without spoiling stuff? How much time we got for the kids? Yeah, we got maybe like five minutes ish. I can trim some stuff if we have to, though it would suck for them. So mm. listen to the full episode again. Yeah. No, it's more like I want to get in some stuff. <clears throat> I did like Diego Calva. Really great job. I thought what did you like about him? His acting was so dynamic. In what way? Uh, he had this meteoric rise. I don't think it's uh, spoilery at all to say. Uh, yeah, it's going from essentially, you know, kind of an, an errand guy, kind mm -hmm. of an on mm -hmm. off. He's the guy at the parties where if you need a bottle of champagne, he just finds one. He went water boy to coach. Yeah. Pretty quickly. Exactly. Actually, too quickly. Yeah. Because maybe like, yeah. he's like, oh, I guess he's doing that now. Yeah. But, but okay. I, I really liked his journey quite a bit. And I think Brad Pitt is aging so gracefully. Like, he totally, uh, very Marlon Brando adjacent in this movie. What is it about his jaw? Like, his, it's the way he holds his mouth. And it's yeah. in every movie, but mm -hmm. especially with, like, that mustache yeah. in this one. It looks like when Marlon Brando had the, the prosthetics for, in, Godfather? for The Godfather. Yeah. They okay. have, like, those give him Brad Pitt's jawline. Yeah. Maybe that's why Brad Pitt's so famous. I don't, yeah. I mean, that's pretty extreme, but yeah. But yeah. Not yeah. that that's why he's famous. Like the jawline. He's not like the modern no, Brad like, is crazy. His looks yeah. call back to a, yeah. a golden age of Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, but I really did enjoy Brad Pitt's performance in this. Uh, I found Margot Robbie, as much as I adore her, sure. I found her so cringy and really? could not stand her character in this. Okay. Not standing her character is different than her having a bad performance as that character. Which one are you trying to talk about right now? Well, if you're saying it like that, then maybe she played that character very well, and I just didn't like. You cannot like the character. Yeah. You can pull a Nick Land and and hate and hate yeah. uh, the Emperor, but you don't have to hate Joaquin Phoenix because of that. Yeah. So like you you might not like um, Nelly, but you don't have to say that Margot Robbie gave a bad performance. True. Okay. Yeah. If she 
if that's what they were going for, she did a great job. I hated it. That's fair. You don't yeah. like I, that. Would do you think that character was supposed to be despicable? I don't think despicable. I think I think not even sympathetic. I think more um, pitiable. Mm. I think pitiable is maybe, and I think that's the common thread with a lot of these characters. And it doesn't even have to be them. Do you remember in the movie um, All Quiet on the Western Front? We mm-hmm. covered a few months ago. There's a sequence where, similarly, the old guard, in a much different way, makes way for the new guard, right? And I think we're meant to sympathize with those those the old guard before they die in that movie. And I think that's what these characters represent. And they're all different facets. They all have their own reasons for wanting fame and whatever. But no, I don't think she's supposed to be despicable. But she's not supposed to be somebody you're like, oh, you have it all together. Like, you're totally, like, yeah. you're going to, no, she's got a lot of issues. But I think the performance is great. I found that character so grating. I mean, and it, if, yeah. the, if they were going for grating, it worked. Because yeah. Margot Robbie, not in a good way, like a cheese grater against my heart in this movie. Yeah, uh, every other movie, cheese grater in a good way. Sure. Yeah, and that's coming from someone who's lactose intolerant. Exactly. Uh, I do have one question. I think it's kind of pivotal for this. Okay. Does this feel like an Oscar grab to you? Every movie about Hollywood feels like an Oscar grab to me. I think that's unavoidable. It's another movie of Margot Robbie watching herself on screen in the movies. It's another movie about Damien. Ch- I know I did notice that too. Yep. Uh, Once upon a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm actually in this movie. Let me in. Yeah. But no, it's another Damien Chazelle movie where he's like, you know, if you were cynical, you'd be like, he's saying to the Academy Award board, like, or whatever they're called, like, look, look how much I know about Hollywood. You guys have to pay attention. That said, I think the message of this movie is that Hollywood sucks and is a machine that chews people up and spits them out. So I could see the voting folks being like, mm, I don't think so. Or he wins the most ironic totally. Oscar yeah. ever. Right. Uh, yeah. So who knows? I'm sure it will be nominated for stuff. The production here alone was so massive. The costumes outstanding. Wonderful. Like the, I loved the aesthetic of everyone in this movie. There were so many old cars too. Yeah. Like it's a big budget movie. Oh, dude, that one scene when Brad Pitt goes into the theater to see his movie yeah. and he's got the raincoat on yeah, yeah. and the fedora. Mm-hmm. Swoon. Yeah. My God. Of, love that out. You're saying Brad Pitt aging well, whatever. Like I think the weight that he carries branching off of another, into another performance, you're like, he the the character arc that he goes through from sort of Hollywood leading man to where he ends up carry, I think could have been so laughable. I don't think, I think he, that character is the one that as an audience, we are le- least likely to empathize with. And maybe it's cause it's Brad Pitt, but I think also because of the way he, he plays it, he carries all of that on his shoulders. And like, you can see the degradation of his spirit throughout mm-hmm. this. It's so great. Yeah. I think the same is true of Margot Robbie's character, but the way it manifests in her is like a, like a turning up to 11 every time she just cranks. She's like, I'm going to prove it no matter what, but they're both experiencing the same sort of, you know, tumbling of their soul into nothingness. Mm -hmm. There's a cameo in this movie. It's in the trailer. I think if I play the trailer, which I will, I'll play the trailer before we talk about this, but I'm going to cut out this particular line because it gives it away, but there's a cameo of somebody. Do you know who I'm talking about? No, maybe. He's like a friendly neighborhood drug dealer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Did that work for you? Toby McGuire. All right, well, sure. The whole third act got so weird. Got so weird. I looked over the person I saw, I was like, what are we, what movie is this? What are we in now? Yeah. Weirdly enough, that then felt like a Darren Aronofsky film. I was like, is this, because I saw the movie yesterday, The Whale yesterday, I was like, Mm -hmm. maybe I'm mixing up directors. Like, did Darren Aronofsky do Babel, (laughs) right? Um, But yeah, that was a weird... (sighs) weird tangent that was like a short film within this movie yeah but did that character work for you I, for me it's when that when we already said it when toby mcguire shows up on screen i, I laughed i was like oh like i forgot he was in this for a second yeah. and then my thought was like he's got to turn into like the most deplorable like did you ever see the movie under the silver lake no i want to a24 flick 
it's basically the idea of like an under, not literally, well, sometimes literally, but like an underground sort of secret society within sort of mainstream media. It's very conspiratorial. Um, but there's similar vibes in that movie as there was in this weird tangent in this movie. Mm. But I think you'd really, you'd really dig that movie too. You should watch it. You should put it on the list. Future Broken Promises. Are you saying you'll watch it? Yeah. Oh, then I'll put it on the list. So we'll right. see. Um, okay. Now we're getting short on time for radio. So let's give it a rating. We already did that. Sorry. Yep. Let's, do you have any other thoughts? Mm, I was looking at the word rating in my notes. <laughs> I, I mean, I want to go to that party. Which one? The one at the beginning. Okay. Not the, I also buy that. This is my last thing. Also the one where the guy fought a snake. That wasn't a to, party. That was just in the. That was a party. <laughs> not by the time you fought the snake, it wasn't. That was a. That was a and party. And he didn't fight the snake, by the way. That was a party that went to a second location. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love the comparison of. Uh, so there's this. The movie opens up with an like, amazingly elaborate party. Mm-hmm. It's so much. It's like a six minute sequence. It's just nonstop. Everything you can imagine. But everybody's having a pretty good time. Literally everything you can imagine. Whatever you think about what's going on for the purpose of what I'm saying doesn't matter. Everyone who's there is loving it, mm-hmm. which is great. I love the comparison, not only from from that party to the underground weird stuff that happens later as being like two totally different sides of the same coin, but also even the second time the first party happens. Like they have the first party, then two hours of sleep and they go shoot a movie. And then almost the exact same scale happens the next night. And it's just like, oh, we're like as an audience, like I have to sit through this again now. Mm-hmm. I just love that as a metaphor for like what people in Hollywood were just like, I guess this is every night of the week. We just do this. Yeah, no wonder people burn out so fast. Meat grinder. Yeah. Okay. Now for real, do we have anything else in Babylon? No, I think we're there, man. Okay. Once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. Babylon is currently in a theater near you. If you've seen it and have thoughts of your own, you can reach us on Instagram at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema. Send an email to fhccast at gmail.com to our radio listeners. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on KZFR 90.1 FM. As a reminder, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes spoilers for Babylon, a review of a second beer, and Darren Aronofsky's The Whale, plus Hot and Bothered, head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema. The rest of the episode will be available tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. And to those of you already listening on your favorite podcast app, we'll be right back. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Welcome to the Danger Zone. That's the part of the show where we spoil our movie of the week, or in this case, our first movie of the week, of course, being Babylon. If you haven't seen it yet, it's in theaters, so you've been warned. We're going to spoil it. Here we go. Okay. Um, so... It's so depressing. My first thought when people started dying in the end was like, oh, Johnny's going to be, he's going to be like, every time someone dies, you're like, oh, perfect. I like it more. But did that not have that effect on you? No, it did. Okay, good. Yeah. How did you feel about the way, and I think the main characters, by the way, are, um, let me just grab a character list real quick. I had it up for a second. Um, Obviously, Diego Calva as Manny Torres. You got uh, Nelly Leroy, Margot Robbie, Brad Pitt as Jack Conrad. Um, I would make the case for Sidney Palmer, uh, played by Hovan Adepo. He's the trumpet player. Um, and I think those are kind of the four mains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a couple other who are not quite side characters, not quite main characters mm-hmm. or, or, uh, yeah. Um, most of them, or at least half of them have not great endings. Those being Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie's characters. How did those work for you? Uh, they worked well. They were fiery crash and burns and, you know, Brad Pitt died in this movie in a way that was pretty traumatic. Yeah. yeah committing yeah. suicide. That was yeah. rough. Um, 
And then Margot Robbie kind of just walked off into the shadows forever. And then we find out she dies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which was shocking to no one. Correct. Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, that's the pathing she knew she was on to. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think these characters were kind of uh, examples of like a Marlon Brando, like Marilyn Monroe type person? Because Marilyn Monroe was kind of that rags to riches. I think that's the point of the whole thing. I think the reason those characters are so different um, is that it's meant to represent a wide array of people that Hollywood does kind of yeah. digest. Like the old Hollywood money that's still becoming antiquated mm -hmm. and the new Hollywood sure. money that... Yeah, falls out of favor quickly. Yes. Like a flavor of the week type yeah. character. And and I think it's no accident that these characters are are put in a time period before Marilyn Monroe or before um uh what you just said Marlon Brando. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's a tale as old as time in Hollywood is like people with dreams coming and then and then having a little run in the sun and then convincing themselves there's more to it and there maybe there isn't. I love the speech that is given by um uh Gene Smart's character uh Eleanor St. John, the, the columnist, mm -hmm. when she like levels with Brad Pitt, she's like, look, your time's done, but here's the good news. This is essentially immortal. I like that. Yeah. I'm not sure if it brought him any consolation in the moment. It might've, but the movie sort of ends with like a 20 year jump. <laughs> that was so weird. I loved it. I mean, after the sex dungeon with the crocodile, we're going to just have scenes from the matrix. I love that too. The fuck is well, so, so it's great because like because Manny's whole thing. So he goes from yeah, like you said, he kind of like a he's an elephant wrangler, then like a butler, and then he works his way into being like on a film set because he works with with um, with Jack Conrad, Brad Pitt's character. Like gets on a film set, then is like becomes an assistant, and then like eventually becomes a, a studio executive, as he says mm -hmm. multiple times. And the thing he said in the beginning, which we get the flashback to, was talking to Margot Robbie like, "I just want to be part of something." bigger and she's like bigger than what he's like no something that matters something eternal and that final scene where you know he's sad because he's reminded of nelly when watching that movie but then he smiles by the end because we get this whole intercut thing of like basically him realizing like i was part of this like i made this happen like this was my dream and i love that sense of humility where he's like okay he he's not the one that's gonna burn himself out he's not gonna kill himself because he or he's not gonna walk off into the distance searching for more glory like he realizes a, he has his family now. And then he realizes, like, I got to do the thing that I said I wanted to do. And that's enough. Love, it's like Jim Carrey. Yeah. You've seen some of those clips of Jim Carrey these days? Yeah. He literally says that. He goes, I'm going to tell you something that no other celebrity can tell you. He's like, I have enough. I've done enough. I am enough. Yeah. And that's great. Because, you know, so many people just go off the edge of a cliff trying to pursue whatever their version of success is. Mm -hmm. And I really like that that's how Manny's character kind of resolved. Mm -hmm. Love that. Yeah. When yeah, one interview Jim Carrey just said, you know, Jim Carrey was a hell of a part to play. I right, really glad I got the role. Like, right, just such right. a yeah. He's on a good path. Petty dude. Yeah, yeah. But I, I like where he's at with things, making paintings, being all weird. Yeah, love him. I also thought having Avatar show up in not the way of water, obviously, but the two thousand nine. Yeah, Avatar right. Clip of that. Um, I just think it's odd though. If this, you know, like those are huge blockbuster movies that everyone's gonna know the references to, so that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Though if I were Chazelle, I would I would have I would have you know chosen clips from slightly more artistically meritable films. Matrix is good. I'm yeah. with that, but I don't know about Avatar. Tron, come on. Yeah, yeah, but again, like cultural icons. So. I think it was yeah, in groundbreaking. Everyone that they did kind of pushed the bar forward. Yeah. So there was not, there but but technologically, yeah. Which I guess is the point. Yeah. Of this, they were of this benchmarks. Sure. There we go. Yeah. Um, Okay, didn't like the guy biting or eating, not biting the head off, eating the whole rat. Really bothered me. He was so veiny. Yeah. I also, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff to dig into there where Tobey Maguire's like, 
this guy is the way of the future. Like, 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 what does he mean? Like, what's the way of the future? Like, he's eating rats. And it can't. I couldn't help but think of like reality TV and just like smut, fear factor. Yeah, like fear. It's a exactly the fear factor. Like that's where we're headed. Mm-hmm. And this seedy, like opiumed out, bloodshot eyed Tobey Maguire character is the one to see this, and he's right. Like, yeah. this is the future. Like, you guys are gonna love him. He's made for the movies. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. And then sure enough, yeah, like we're not, we're not, I mean, I would say we're not maybe showing people eating rats, but you know, we're having people eat shit on TV. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And we it, love it. Yeah. People can't get enough. Num, 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 num. It's terrible. Do you wish they would have spent more time in those levels going down? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. There was a couple, there are some weird ones. I was hoping they would do like seven of them just so we could get like a Jacob's Ladder scenario mm-hmm. or like the seven circles of hell just to kind of really lock in that metaphor. That Dan- was fine. Dante. Is that what I mean? It's nine. Yeah, Dante's Inferno. Is it nine? Yeah. Okay. Is it, is it nine circles or nine? It's not it, seven it's circles. Nine, it's nine levels. What's the circle thing? I thought it was seven circles. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I was welcome to Hollywood's butthole. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. But he said it with so much pride. Yeah. He's great. So over the top, man. That appearance was like when Elijah Wood showed up in Sin City. Yeah. As like a just a like a serial weird, killer, a serial killer of women, and like presumably a rapist, and like. Mm-hmm. Just such a fucking off-putting, like off, set me off balance as a casting show. I was like, yeah. oh man, him and his giant Lugie Hawkins. <laughs> did you recognize that guy? I did, but I couldn't place him. He was the big guy in uh, sure. Remember the Titans. He oh, used that's to weigh right. like four hundred pounds. Yeah, elastic, elastic. Yeah. Now he like. Trained. Are you sure that was him? Hundred percent. I've followed a guy on Instagram. Okay. He's like cut hella weight. He's yeah. all like ripped now. I get that guy confused with, unless he's the same guy, one of the dummies from Black Klansman, one of the guys in the KKK, looks very similar, but I don't think it's the same guy. I'm going to look real quick. I don't either. Uh, love Black Klansman. Uh, yeah. Great movie. Man. Yeah. There was some disturbing stuff too. Did the shock factor of any of this like really work for you, get to you? Because I mean, there was a golden shower scene. There, that was early on too. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, they came out hard. I know. Like, it was basically an orgy at the first For party. For sure, yeah. Which, I, like, also feels like a reference to, like, Caligula or something. Like, mm-hmm. one of those early Hollywood movies that pushed the envelope for, yeah. for what they could show on screen. Um, that said, I think there was, like, a ton of full frontal nudity in this one, too. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that was for sure shocking. Yeah. I mean, it didn't. I mean, it made me think that I'm glad I didn't see this with my mom and my family over Christmas instead of we ended, saw, I saw Avatar again, dude. Nice. No. Yeah, <laughs> boy. Nice. Six hours of Avatar. Believe it or not, it was worse on a rewatch. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, I talked to mom. I was like, mom, I, I think you'd like it. It's like from this director, Damien Chazelle. And like, look, it's like Brad Pitt. And, you know, mm-hmm. and the trailers do not lead you to believe it is as um, explicit as it is. There was so many older folks and people yeah. like our age with their parents in this movie. I was shocked that no one walked out. How many people were in your screening? Maybe 20. Yeah, we had like 10 maybe. Mm. So Yeah. Uh, the guy from Black Klansman is uh, Paul Walter Hauser. Mm. Uh, I'm just going to show you. Yeah. So I just, I mix him up sometimes, but it's this guy down, down here. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're not, they don't look alike when you put them side by side, but still. Okay. I think that's about there for us. Yeah. Yeah. You ready for a second beer? I am. Johnny, we got beer number two in front of us. Again, just for anybody that has forgotten or is tuning in after the radio segment, this is, uh, we're talking Good Life Brewing, or Brewery, Brewing? Sorry, Good Life Brewery. (laughs) (laughs) 
Johnny, ah, what are we at? Yeah, dude. Tell you what, let's let's leave it in, obviously. But why don't you just go ahead and pretend like I have not even attempted to start this segment? Hell yeah, bro. From right. from Good Life Brewing, our next beer, Descender Year Round IPA. I feel like that's worth mentioning because it's around all the time. Yeah, but not to be confused. That's not its name. No. You're not going to see that on the can. Descender IPA. Again, from Good Life, IPA, 7% ABV. Runs you about 13 bucks for a six-pack. Oh, how much was the first? Eleven ninety nine. Same price, basically. Eleven ninety nine, twelve ninety nine. Okay, yeah. twelve ounce cans. Yep, exactly. So from their website, wait, we, where'd you get them? We read. Uh, we both, uh, both of these, sure. I got at Liquor Barn. I want to interrupt you again. Thank you. You're good. No, they just got picked up by uh, Block Distributing for Distro, and Block doesn't go further south than Reading. That's uh, dumb. Yeah, it's like Reading North. It's why? Weird. Where are they based in? Uh, Reading, I think. They're based in Reading. They don't go for. Oh, I see. They just only. Go. Yeah. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. They know Chico's here, right? Yeah. Right. I'm happy they're not here. Yeah, okay, fair enough. <clears throat> so, Descender IPA is a blend of a big, true Northwest IPA mixed with some West Coast style. We balance the bitterness with the aromatics of the hops to make this a downright enjoyable IPA. A note from the brewers. Pine and creamy citrus notes dominate the nose and combine with subtle tropical peach notes. A light-bodied mouthfeel and a playful bitterness allow bright citrus flavors to shine through. A slight back-end bitterness reminds you that this is a classic Northwest-style IPA. Can I point something out? Not about this beer. But you are really, really good about not making sounds on the mic. But almost without fail, when you're about to read something from like a beer or a movie, you go, uh-uh, <laughs> like the most egregious, impossible to edit out throat clearing. And I just want listeners to know that's what's happening. Like when, <laughs> when you hear Johnny go, uh-uh, you're about to get some literary knowledge from the internet. That's right. I love it so, so much. So you know daddy's about to tell you a story. Um, okay. I am going to pour this into my glass, but you've poured yours. You've even tasted it if I was looking in the uh-huh. right direction with my peripherals. Descender, what are your initial thoughts? Oh, this is really And don't good. be a dissenter. This is really good. Oh, really? Oh, this is fantastic. No, it's not. Come on, man. What are the odds? Uh, pretty good. Okay, this is super fresh. This was canned December 1st, uh, 27 days ago from the time of this recording. Mm-hmm. So that's very possible. Man, this is crisp. It's not overly bitter. I'm getting some subtle sweetness. It's refreshing. It's light. There's no way in hell I would have guessed this was 7%. Okay. I just had a beer idea when you said that before this thing you just said i think it would be cool to have a christmas themed beard called uh beer called white crispness white crispness white, it's hard to even say improperly white crispness i think it'd be a good beer that would be cool or at least a good name yeah i'm gonna try this you should yeah very very approachable it's got all the notes of that you know northwest ipa that kind of juicier whatever i'm digging the crispiness on this man it's it's not overly bitter it's not overly sweet Hitting some marks for me. I don't know. Yeah. It's okay. I just, yeah, I just, obviously I just tried it. It's very crisp. It's definitely mm. that way. It's, it's unassuming. So light. Drinking. It's very light. Cool. It's annoyingly light. That is refreshing. Me. It's diluted. It's diluted and underwhelming. <laughs> First impression. There's a lot of resiny, hoppy stuff going on that I really dig, but it reminds me a bit of, um, I got it. Hang on. It's from Firestone um, Luponic Distortion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those beers, and they've done, I think they're on, like, was it rotation? Or they have a weird word they use. Um, yeah, like rotator. It's some, It's with like an R. Yeah. But it's, I think they're on, like, 87 at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're always decently flavored. I always, almost, almost always like the hop flavors that are happening. But without fail, they feel underwhelming and, and taste underwhelming. Like, they've just not quite committed 
to the flavors that I think are pretty good. I just wish there were more of them. I'm having a similar reaction here. Hmm. I do like it. Um, don't love it so far. I'm going to go for my second drink. You've finished your glass. I like it a lot. Okay. Tell me so, more. If this is what Session IPAs tasted like, yeah, this would be, I would love Session IPAs. Yes. But this is a full ABV, somehow without the full body. Like, yes. If I'm going to list it as a, a pro, but if I was to guess what one con might mm-hmm. be of this, is it is very light body. Yes. Uh, let's think here. Sierra Nevada put out a beer based on Torpedo, with rather with a Torpedo base, called Cold Torpedo, I think is what it was. Yeah, you like this beer. You told me about it. Yeah, because what it did to me, at least when I was tasting it, was that it had all of the flavor of a traditional Torpedo, which is 7.2% of a pretty notoriously hefty beer. I wouldn't go so far as to call it malty in the way that I'd call like a Lagunitas IPA malty, but a hefty beer. And it kept, the cold did, kept all of that flavor None of the weightiness of that. It felt mm. like it felt closer to this, but with more flavor than this has. And I really loved that about it. I wonder if we even have some, if we might have some here. Um, and if so, I'll have you take a taste before you leave today. Cause it was super good, not but the, I love torpedo. Not everybody yeah. does. No, not a fan at all. What was your reasoning for not liking that beer? Torpedo. Mm-hmm. It's just too thick and chewy. And right. Healthy. So I think you'll like the cold torpedo. All right. And I'm pretty sure it's cause they cold fermented it. But that can't be right, can it? No. If you cold fermented it, it would become it'd be a lager. Yeah, and I doubt that they would use the recipe for. So I'm not actually sure why it's called that, but I could could have figured that out had I known that's what this was going to taste like. <laughs> but I still haven't tried this again. But it it tastes kind of like this. I think so. Um, that's it. There's some. Um, what is that? There's a flavor there that's hitting on the sides of my tongue. It's almost like a berry kind of thing going on. Um, that's not working super well for me. But there's some stuff that I do like. I like the resiny dankness. That's great. It's very crisp. I think that's fun. But there's not enough of anything to really be making me, you know, write a letter home and spank it on the bottom on the way. See, for me as a person that really only drinks Pilsners, lagers, kind of light, light beers, Mm -hmm. you know, in my personal time, this is an IPA where I'm like, oh, I could crave that. That's true. Because I'm not always in the mood for that big chewy or that big giant hot bite. Okay. I like that this is a bit more subtle. Let me spin that in a negative way, which is that my favorite thing about this IPA is that it feels more like a Pilsner, mm. which from an IPA perspective is going to piss somebody off. I mean, it really does, though. Like, this is so light. You could call this like an India Pale Lager. How about or, a Hoppy Lager? Yeah. Like a Hoppy Lager. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. But hop- it's not. I know. It's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Huh. This beer's like confusing stylistically. It is. I Yeah. I, um, it's a marketing thing probably at this point because however you make it, I you know that's not my job and I mostly drink it. But in in the field of expectation, if I'm seeing IPA, I want something that is aggressively hoppy and whatever those hoppy flavors are, I want a lot of them. That is essentially outside of the brewing process, what makes an IPA an IPA? Sure. Certainly a West Coast varietal IPA. Mm-hmm. And this isn't that. Now, if it's enjoyable, fine. That's a different conversation. But is it what it's going to claim to be? I, I think not well. But I still like it. It's not the most IPA IPA. No, it's IPA lowercase. Yeah. If if anything. Yeah. But you like it. I, do. I like it. I do. What don't you like about it? Hmm. Uh, again, not marketing, not stylistically, just what you're tasting in your glass. What is jumping out to you, if anything? I was like, I don't like these flavors, or you know, you know how to talk. I think just the fact that it is a little thin. I think it it drinks so light because it is so thin of body. 
when the first one of the first words you said is one that I think is very accurate is that uh, diluted. Yes, it very feels like water now almost. It does. Uh, it still has a nice hot bite, but it does feel like it is somehow less than what it should be. Yeah, but you're going to lose the crispiness if you if you inflate that body. Exactly. I think so. Which so I mean, if you had to choose, would you would you risk upping the mouthfeel at, at the expense of the crispiness? I think that just depends on the mood you're in and what kind of beer you're looking for. I'm asking you now with this beer. Would I change a thing about this beer? If yeah, I mean, if you, you have that negative you're talking about, would you risk bumping up the body of it, even though it might lose your the first thing you said that you enjoy the most about it? No, I no. like the beer just how it is. Okay. I think this is like I've learned about this beer. I know that this is what this is. Like this is what this is good for. There are moments this would be yeah. delicious. There are moments for sure that I wouldn't crave this. Mm-hmm. So, well, you then you don't you don't have to give a negative. It's not a mandatory part. Of right. I just thought if there was something that. But no, if you're backed up against the wall, you don't even. You can be like, no, I like, I like this. Yeah, I don't think there's much wrong with it. Okay, um, I've already said a lot of stuff that I think is wrong with it. I <laughs> really enjoy the brightness. I love the pineiness. Yeah. I love the dankness. I just wish there was more. And if I spin that to be positive, all I'm saying is I like this beer so much. I wish it was turned up a little bit. It is pretty mellow for an IPA. Pretty mellow. Yeah. And if I wanted to spin one more of my negatives into a positive, like it's getting away with being seven percent. And drinking like it's four and a half. Yeah. That's a great thing. If you're if you don't like torpedo because of how big that beer is, like if you're like, I can only drink one and a half torpedoes, mm-hmm. but I want to get drunk because I have a problem. You could do this one. Yep. Or whatever the reason you're getting I was drunk. Just <laughs> fantasizing about taking the rest of the six pack home. Yeah. Just, you have the rest except what is that in my fridge? Like one more now? There's four more. Oh, they're all here? Yeah. Okay. I brought the whole six pack. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, you can take, you know, you can take as many as you want. In fact, you probably should, because I'm not crazy about it. Yeah. So let's get to it, shall we? It's a fun new way to rate things. I bought a six pack. Which do you want more of? Well, that's what I was the saying. Leftover. Like, like how much of this? Like, that's what I was trying to get out with the first beer. Like, yeah. there's stuff left. Like, if we if we were going to argue about it, like, how passionately would you want the last bit of this beer? And I think with this one, passionately, passionately, a lot of passion. Yeah, four beers left in the six pack. Like, I want those over the first one all day. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, no, they're about the same. No, I like this one more. I like this one a little more. Yeah, that's true. So, Johnny, out of ten, if you're ready for Descender, out of ten for me, it's it's a seven 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 point seven yeah. for Descender. Yep. I like this beer quite a bit. I think it would serve a very nice purpose when I want like a crispy. It's not a session IPA, but it feels somehow like a diet IPA. It's an yeah, IPA it that's less than, but not an ABV. Okay, okay, um, but in a good way. I'm having to now reevaluate my first beer score because <laughs> I do like this one more, but this is not a seven for me. I think it's a six. And I, for people that forgot, I get, including myself, I gave the first beer a six. Mm-hmm. And this one's better than that. So I think that actually my first beer was a five. But I, we've never done this. Like, you this started has never at five. I did, right? Yeah. I think it was a five. And I then think you it raised was. it to six. Yeah. I think it was a five. And I think this is a six. That's, does that check out with you? Does that work? Is that am I breaking the rules by changing that? It's your score. You can do whatever you want, man. Okay. Okay. I'm, I feel good about that. Yeah, it's a six for me. It's it's fine. It's a little above fine. There's some things I really like, but it's not. It's not, you know, it's not it's nothing right home about, unfortunately. Yeah. Like I said, it's it's like a session IPA without less ABV. It's an it's kind of an anomaly. Yeah, totally. I think, you know, I would try more beers from them. I'd be more apt to trying their beers if they change the name to like okay life. <laughs> Okay. De- decent life. Decent life. 
with great water. Dude, we should start a brewery and just call it Decent. <laughs> decent. Yeah, Decent. Like, man, there was this diner. I've told you about this. But you've seen it on 99. It's out of business now for shocking reasons. It was called It Is What It Is Diner. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was the name of it. Yeah. I never went in. Rob and I always joked about when we would go play shows. Like, we should just stop there and get it. And I just imagined, like, the menu would be like, Is What It Is Burger. Like, okay, steak. Mm-hmm. Like, And they don't accept stuff back to the kitchen. Like, can I send this back? You can fuck off is what you can yeah, do. Yeah, no. It was $4. Love that. Order something else. Yeah. Is what it is, brewery. Um, you got anything else in this beer? Am I being salty enough for you, by the way? Oh, shut up. <laughs> yes. Yes, you are. Okay, good. I um, like it. Yeah, I do too. It's I'm, fine. I'm gonna drink more of it. All right. Well, then let's uh since we are emotionally lubricated, I think we get into our discussion of the whale, maybe kick it off with a trailer. What do you think? Let's do it. Brace yourselves. I know these rules can feel constraining, but remember the point of this course is to learn how to write clearly and persuasively. Think about that. Think about the truth of your argument. You're an amazing person, Ellie. I couldn't ask for a more incredible daughter. Are you actually trying to parent me right now? Who would want me to be a part of their life? You don't stay in touch with mom? She really only tells me things about you. Why? Because that's all I want to know about. Why'd you gain all that weight? Someone close to me passed away, and it had an effect on me. You haven't seen her since she was eight years old, and you're going to reconnect with her? Sorry. I don't like this. This isn't a good idea. I'm sorry. You say you're sorry one more time. I will shove a knife right into you. I swear to God. Go ahead. What's it going to do? My internal organs are two feet in at least. <laughs> Why do you suddenly need to see her so bad? Why now? Liz. I'm worried that she's forgotten what an amazing person she is. I need to know that she's gonna have a decent life where she cares about people and that she's gonna be okay. I need to know that I have done one thing right with my life. All right, that was a trailer for Darren Aronofsky's The Whale, and I stole this from Letterboxd. A reclusive English teacher suffering from severe obesity attempts to reconnect with his estranged teenage daughter for one last chance at redemption. Uh, again, directed by Darren Aronofsky, written uh, and screenplay with, uh, with by Samuel D. Hunter. It was based on a play of his from 2012 of the same name. Um, cinematography here was Matthew Libatique, longtime collaborator of Darren Aronofsky. If that name's not ringing a bell to you, think Requiem for a Dream, think Black Swan, think Mother uh, 2018. Was Mother 2018? Sounds right. Does sound right. I'm going to go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked Mother a lot. I think that's the only one of those we've covered on the show. Did you like Mother? I can't remember. Uh, it was so weird. So weird. It was so weird. It was impossible to figure out, but then once you figured it out or someone told you, mm. you're like... Oh, well, fuck. Now I have to watch it again. I think that was one of those that I figured out. Yeah. Like, it made sense to me. It's one of those that just clicked. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah like the, not immediately, but like by the end, I was like, I see what's going on. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, sure. But I feel like I should watch it again because I like all of his movies. I think Mother is, and I, this is relevant to our discussion because it 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 uh, seasoned my expectations for this movie. But like, Mother had one of the most upsetting scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Um, minor spoiler, no, huge spoilers for Mother incoming. There's a scene where Jennifer Lawrence's baby 
gets taken by a mob and is literally ripped limb from limb. They're holding it above their heads mm -hmm. and it just gets pulled apart. Very upsetting stuff. Requiem Visceral. for a Dream, very upsetting movie. <laughs> yeah. Black Swan. More, more psychological. More mainstream, yeah. It's certainly more accessible. But I was thinking like, all right, I don't know what to expect from The Whale. But the other notable thing about this movie is that it's Brendan Fraser, mm -hmm. who, if that doesn't ring a bell, George of the Jungle, The Mummy, The Mummy Returns, uh, The Mummy, The Scorpion King, or whatever that fucking thing mm -hmm. was called. What else am I missing, Brendan Fraser? Um, Dude, uh, Encino Man. Never saw that. Great movie. He left Hollywood for a while, like 20 years. Yeah. Maybe not quite that long, but hasn't been seen. And then this is his first movie back, widely praised as like a performance of his lifetime, maybe anybody's lifetime. Mm -hmm. Um. So the other people in this are Sadie Sink play his daughter, Ellie. You got Hong Chow as his sort of, we'll say caretaker for now, Liz. Mm -hmm. Ty Simpkins plays a, um, a missionary for this sort of traditionalist yet radical fringe church called New Light. Uh, his mm -hmm. character's name is Thomas. And then we'll also shout out his ex-wife, um, Mary, played by Samantha Morton. This came to some theaters December 9th, our theater. I don't know, December 21st or something. Mm -hmm. Two hours, five minutes long much more digestible than Babylon in terms of time. Mm -hmm. Johnny, what was your experience with the whale? Well, this movie was profound in that it was, uh, uh wow. What do you say about this movie? It was, it was <laughs> like, fuck dude. It was um, indescribable. It was the end it, of show. It was profound. It was heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. It was gut wrenching. It was enthralling. It was captivating. I think he did a fantastic job, Brendan Fraser, uh, as the main character. Uh, and it, I didn't know until maybe the day before that it was based on a play, so it was all kind of self-contained, which got me more excited because I'm like, ooh, I love a character study. Mm. Like, let's get deep into the nitty-gritty of these people. And, you know, it was familial drama. It was guilt, repression, mm -hmm. Lashing, sexual repression sexual repression just repression in general and lashing back against a guilt of you know being scorned from a church it, it struck on so many topics i mean in and of itself this is a movie about trauma and the way people respond to trauma yeah and the way those responses affect people around them okay and it was fascinating to see the impact of this on one person and then how someone else's trauma affected him and then that ripple effect going out and touching his family mm -hmm. and other people in the world that aren't even related to him. It was, yeah, yeah. I mean, at its core, it's a movie about trauma and, and the way we deal with it and trying to do the best we can. It was sad, so sad. It was very, very moving. It was a, an experience I shared with four other people and the movie ended and the credits rolled. They're all just... Um, I <laughs> sobbed in the dark with yeah, four yeah. strangers. For, oh, oh, you saw it with four people in the theater. In the theater. Yeah. Uh, and I sobbed with four strangers in the dark. Until, when did you start crying? Until the house lights came on. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. then we all kind of looked at each other, <laughs> and we were all just like, there was a nod. And yeah. And like, we should go. That's why going to the theater is better than watching at home, by the way. It was such a beautiful shared yeah. experience. And I could tell we were all A24 nerds. They were all like around mm -hmm. our age. Mm -hmm. We all sat there quietly. All of us brought popcorn. Five minutes in, popcorn was in the other seat. Totally. This isn't a snack movie. Right. I'm full. Let's just, mm -hmm. we're good. Um, but it was incredibly moving. It was something that I absolutely loved, and I am so reluctant to ever watch again. I know. It is one of those, isn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Out of 10 for you. 
nine four. Yeah, really good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I yeah, I mean, I don't. What point in the movie did you start crying, or or at the very least start feeling that kind of welling inside you, like the, the your your chest almost kind of heaving involuntarily? Halfway. Yeah, I mean, it starts not. It's not like right at the end. There's like one pivotal scene that finally is like, oh yeah, no, now I'm great. It's, it's like it's it's hinted at, like you're yeah. emotionally. And they're, they're probably halfway. The first time he went really dark with food. <sighs> yeah, that was really hard to watch, and I yeah I felt so sad for him. Was it candy bars? Or was it before that? Yeah, that one was pretty dark. But then it was the pizza. Pizza, the doubling up. Oof. Yeah. And then he wheeled to the fridge. Yeah. Oof. That said, let me let me I guess jump in here. Yeah. I love this movie also. Mm-hmm. Brendan Fraser is amazing. I think Hong Chao is is my most surprising sort of coming out of nowhere She's actress so that good. I want to look for and everything. She's in another movie coming out called Showing Up with um uh oh boy. It's I think it's director Kelly Reichardt who did First Cow. Um and I wanna say First Cow was so good. <laughs> First Cow was so good. Um Michelle Williams, I think, is in that movie, but Hong Chao is also in it, and and I didn't notice that until I saw the movie today. I was like, oh, that's Hong Chao from from The Whale last night. Um, great performance here. Adds a ton of dynamics in terms of emotional beats. Like she's really funny in this at points. When there's not, there's not a ton of jokes in this movie, but there are some moments of genuine heartfelt laughter. Like when he first gets his wheelchair, he's backing up and she's going beep beep yeah beep, which is I think a playful way like to deal with morbidity. I think this movie mm-hmm. does a good job dealing with what we all know is kind of inevitable when you realize they're breaking down the movie by days. Like it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And we're constantly reminded like he's going to be dead by the weekend. Um, so it puts that in your head pretty early on. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Like it's a movie about trauma. It's also a movie about the, the validity of believing in redemption. Um, like the, the, the little teaser from, from letterbox said like his one last chance for redemption with his daughter, Totally. But also like, you know, we mentioned the character, Thomas, the, the missionary kid, like he's trying to work on redemption for Charlie from God's perspective. And like Liz Hong Chao's character is like finding redemption for, for the, we'll say the trauma in her life and what's happened with um, a shared friend of theirs. Mm -hmm. Everybody's trying to save somebody. The only character that isn't, or maybe is, is his daughter, Ellie. And I think that is what this, this movie's all about. Like, like, like Brendan Fraser's perspective, Charlie's perspective is like, blatant optimism to the point that it caused issues in his marriage. Mm -hmm. And despite all the evidence with his daughter, who seems to be pretty horrible, he's like, she's great. She's got potential. She's just trying to help. And I love that. What did you think? Do you think the daughter, there's a particular thing, interaction she has with a character and does something that I can't say too much, but do you think that daughter has good intentions or bad intentions? I think they left it ambiguous enough that yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't think I could say either There's way. not a right answer, I don't no. think. But, but what, what, what did you feel? Like, how did you feel about her? I felt like it was a little malicious. Me too. Yeah. And I love that his character would not acknowledge that. I love that. Um, and I'm with you, man. It's such an emotional, not even roller coaster. It's like roller coaster insinuates there's ups and downs. And this is just, this is a strong emotional ride. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, I loved it. And I think one of the first things that got me was when... Um, up her name i'm bad with names uh hong chow yeah was talking to brendan fraser's character mm-hmm. about how i don't think anyone can really save anybody what a line what a line because that is the crux of the movie it's like and i don't know if you know too many people in your life that have struggled with well addiction in general but mm-hmm. food addiction too which is i think in some ways trickier than like heroin addiction yeah because you can't really order heroin takeout yeah you know 
it's not as accessible. Yeah, and you have to eat or you'll die. There's this great line in The Matrix, which is that Morpheus is talking to Neo. He's like, I can only show you the door. You're the one that has to walk through it. And I think Hong Chao does a great job as as Liz here, like as a conflicted person. Like she thinks, and she's got some medical background, so she knows he's dying and what her responsibility is in in like bringing him to meatball subs and giving them to him versus like potentially having the power to not. But again, it's, it's, it's his life. You can't decide for other people. You can't save anybody. And I think that's what that line's about. Like you can't force people to save themselves mm. and maybe you can't save them anyways. Yeah. What a line. That line got me real hard, real hard. Um, but that is at the, the heart of this movie, I think. Yeah. yeah. Such a powerful movie. So many good performances. What did you think about Sadie Sink? Was it distracting? Who is that actress? Oh, she was Max in um, Stranger Things. Oh, yeah, I loved her in that, okay. and I I was delighted that she appeared, but also she's a really strong young actress, and it was not distracting at all. I think she really made this role her own, and it didn't take it out of me. Mm-hmm. You no, know, well, like like didn't role take you out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took it out of me for sure. Yeah, <laughs> the whole movie. Oh yeah, me too. Um, I was in a really dark, weird mood yeah, yeah. for like twenty four hours yeah. after watching yeah. this. Um. That's well. So to your question, let me give you my rating of this movie. First, oh yeah, which is a nine. Okay, it's really, really great. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, yeah, to answer your question about Sadie Sink, it's a tough. I think that's a tough balance of a character. She's about seventeen in this movie. I think is the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is so, I think, so obviously, um, terrible mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. There's moments where you see cracks in that veneer, especially towards the end. Um, but. Uh, it's. I think it's easy for that performance to to veer into caricature and just be so bad, like and not the performance, but the character be so bad or mean or evil or whatever words you want to choose. Um, and I think she pulls it off okay, not perfectly. Um, I don't. I don't know if she was the perfect casting choice, but she did a really good job. So that was. I was fine with that. I agree. Um. Let's see. What else do you want to talk about before we get into spoilers, if anything? I mean, and also we're getting short on time, so I don't want to get too crazy with spoilers. I mean, not many in this movie either. Okay, I've just got a couple things. So if you're okay to go into that realm, yep. we have a button we never get to use, which is this. Spoiler The rare use of spoiler zone, because okay. we're not technically in the danger zone, because the danger zone is, you know, what happens after the, the KZFR break. Yeah. But we are still going to spoil some stuff, so... Spoilers for the whale being coming. Drink the rest of this beer. I think the movie ends on a positive note. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? I do. Why? Wait, how does the movie end? Just briefly so for people that haven't seen it. He dies. He dies. <laughs> but he dies. More importantly, how does the movie start? <laughs> it starts with him masturbating vigorously to gay porn. Yeah. Um, which reveals a lot about him in mm-hmm. this movie. He's, I think, I don't think he's shirtless at the time, but no. you learn a lot about that character through that shot. I thought it was done very tastefully. Mm-hmm. But he almost has a heart attack, and this kid, uh, Thomas, comes in, and he demands him read an essay because he thinks he's dying. The movie ends with him dying with his daughter reading him the essay that she wrote. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and that essay is important because when he's having this congestive heart failure, it's kind of something that, like, recenters him. The, the, uh, the essay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, this – man, do you ever watch any of those, like, garbage reality shows like My 600-Pound Life or 1,000-Pound <sighs> Sister? I try not to. It feels gross to me. It's very exploitative. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I mean by gross. Like it just feels it feels so voyeuristic and like and like and also scripted. Like oh, and for it's, sure, it's and just, it's so heavily edited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there's one of those shows that we're pretty pretty invested in. Um, what is it? I think it's it's the one with the two sisters. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. 
I don't know what it's called. Yeah, I don't either. But yeah. But this this played like the best version of that show where it's like dealing with real issues and it felt not scripted compared to those shows, even though it is based on a play and obviously scripted. But it's like Okay. It's like this is the emotions those shows are trying to elicit, but executed in such a more genuine way that has something to say versus mm-hmm. just being trash television. Let me ask you this. This is mm-hmm. a two-parter, I think. If you can be honest about it, how do you feel about those two women in that show? What are the what are the feelings you have when you see them on screen? And this isn't on you totally. It's on the way the show is made. Yeah, I mean it's it's made to elicit sadness and disgust and that's a lot of things that you know, so are apparent because, you know, like I, that type of gluttony is inherently sad and disgusting. Wait, I see. I don't think it is here no, in the shows that I that yes. I've watched because, like, if you ever watched my six hundred pound life, mm-hmm. they film these people in like what they eat in mm-hmm. a day, and it's just it's like designed to just gross you out. Yeah, I, I think that um, I don't remember the second part of this, but like you were just saying, the movie. Uh, oh man, um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, dang it! I swear I had a good connection. I guess my point is that in those in those shows and shows like that, these people are are are. F- oh, you said this movie is the best possible version of what that could be. Yeah, and I don't think so. I think reality TV is inherently designed to make us dislike those people in one way or another. You can uh, you can feel angry towards them or disgusted. I don't think we are wholeheartedly in a in a in a human like truly empathetic way meant to sympathize with them or really see them i think this movie despite feeding him buckets of chicken doubling down on pizza whatever it is there's like some really intense close-ups of him just like munching through chicken which if it were on the shows you're talking about we would everybody in the living room be like ugh, it's gross like lose the weight fatty or something like that Mm -hmm. that's the tone but here even though they show us that like my experience was still sadness and rooting for him. I think it's a lot, says a lot about how we view or how, how we culturally allow ourselves to view certainly obesity, if not addiction in general. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. It's a compassionate movie. Mm -hmm. Love that. Yeah. I also think it's an optimistic ending. Mm -hmm. Um, still a tough watch, but I'm glad that he was able to find some sense of, um, purpose, some Mm -hmm. sense of redemption, of course. Um, Yeah. And I like that his daughter didn't leave. Yeah. But I do think she was trying to screw over that kid, Thomas, for sure. Yeah, me too. Her dad was like, no, she's just trying to save him. I don't think so. But I love that he thinks that. Yeah. He just wanted people to see the think best that. in people. Totally. Yeah. People are amazing. <laughs> I think that was a pretty good impression. Dude. <laughs> they are. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it was. Um, okay. So are you ever going to watch this again, do you think? Yeah. I have to watch it again with Shalina. Okay. I was going to say, the the way that I would watch it again is if I recommended it to someone, they'd be like, hey, you got to watch it with me. I'd be like, done. 100%. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I'm going to throw it on for fun. No, you know, or like as a background. I like, mean, it's it's a in a way, it's as a person that's you know dealt with a lot of trauma. It's it's a kind of a centering movie. Mm. You know, it makes you feel less alone. It's sure. nice to have empathy for someone else. And you know, I found his optimism infectious. Yeah, like I loved him as a character. I love that. So I mean, like, I might want to put this on again someday just to like hang out with Brendan Fraser's character. Yeah, it's also a nice reminder that you know it's easy to get caught up in stuff like you and I have stuff that goes wrong in our day to day lives. But like, if you can be that person and live his life and still be optimistic, I think you and I can do a better job about complaining about work or like something wrong with our cars or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. I love that about a movie. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, do you have anything else on the whale? I think he's gonna win best actor for that. 
I'm I, calling it. Now. I'm excited for getting towards the end of the 2022 film year because I'm looking forward to like going back and seeing what I thought the best performances were. But I yeah. agree with you. This is going to be up there for sure. I think he. You I, think he'll win? I, is I our want, first Academy Award bet of the year? I think he's going to win. I think this movie has too much momentum. Okay. It's too powerful and it's too indie of a film with such a powerful world like uh-huh. it's like taking over the world yeah i think he's gonna win do you want to put a four loco on it fuck yeah all right if he doesn't win you gotta drink one if he does i guess i do i don't yeah. think he's not gonna win though okay i don't agree with this well you just said you want to make yeah, the bet no i know i just get excited about bets i don't think he's not gonna win we'll we'll do a full list of our four loco bets this when year. he wins sure. we'll split a four loco in celebration when he doesn't win we both will split one because i want him to win too no yeah if he doesn't win, you and I will split one and gripe about it. If he does, we have to eat fried chicken on the podcast. <laughs> Sounds great. All right, let's get into Hot and Bothered. Welcome to Hot and Bothered, the portion of the show we talk about what's got us super jazzed or less jazzed. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> either more or less jazz. I got nothing to complain about, unfortunately. I know you do. But there's a movie coming out called 80 for Brady. And I go first because <laughs> I can set the stage. Fuck you. This is a movie directed by Kyle Marvin coming out in February. It stars Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, Rita Moreno, and Sally Field, all Academy Award winning women, by the way. About a group of women who want to fulfill their lifelong dream of seeing, for some reason, their hero, Tom Brady, at the Super Bowl. It's this like goofy friendship, like road trip buddy comedy that looks like it's not for me and you. Now, I get that you, well, you can talk about your own thing, I guess. I think it's going to be like, I love Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin. Did you watch um, the Netflix show, Will, uh, Will and Grace, um, Grace and Frankie? Mm-mm. Great show. It's with um, well, it's, Douglas, right? No. Uh, Sam Waterston and um, who played the president in the West Wing? Alec? Alex? Alec? Name somebody with Alec as their first name. Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. No, that no, can't be. A, Martin Sheen. It's, it's Martin Sheen. Yeah. It's Martin Sheen. A different president. That is the president from the West Wing. Anyways, great show. Like there's, there's, it's not going to be a highbrow artsy movie. It's not going to have anything serious. It's not even going to be for us. There's going to be about 20% of the people in the population of America that care about this movie. And but they I, all want to speak to the manager. Yes. But I love, like, I love these actresses and it's going to be a fun time for what it is. And I love seeing the trailer. I might even see the movie. I might see it. I'm into well, it. Well, we're not doing it on the show. No, we probably won't do it on the show. No, we're not. <laughs> You're going to stand for that? Or like, what's the... You're going to hard pass that? Malala. What if nothing else is out that week? And I see it and I say, it's amazing. Nope. No, that's not fair. Secondarily, <laughs> Glass Onion. <laughs> Glass Onion is the um, in the same universe as Knives Out, which came out a couple years ago from director Ryan Johnson. What the proper got? title is Glass Onion, a, a Knives, Knives Out, out mystery. mystery. And sure. he's not happy that they had to put that in. Ryan Johnson is on record as not being stoked about that title. He wanted to leave that out? Mm-hmm. Just, just Glass Onion? Yep. Well, I think that's dumb. I think that as from a marketing perspective, people knowing create a franchise, bro. He likes, yeah. I mean, he may not like it, but it is the smarter move. The only crossover character, by the way, is Benoit Blanc played by Daniel Craig, who, who was really great in the first one. Knives out was one of my favorite movies of that year. Um, Ryan Johnson does a great job with this kind of stuff. He did brick a 2008 or three movie. I can't remember with Joseph Gordon Levitt that I think is fantastic, which you still haven't seen. I don't think Nope. very good It's on the list. Um, so all this said, since you haven't seen it, I won't spoil anything. I think Glass Onion is worse than Knives Out. It's not as smart as that one by any means. Sweet. I might get it. It's still a fun time. Um, but, but a lot of the performances aren't great. There's some that are fun. It's a more fun time. It's certainly like a a nine o'clock movie rather than a seven o'clock movie, but watch it. It's on Netflix. All right. Okay. Um, if you see it and you want to cover it fully on the show, we can. 
It's, we're kind of in a drought, so it might be something. We are not in a drought. What's out next We week? have a ton of stuff we need to cover. But there's nothing new coming out as in the drought that I mean. Well, like, that's that's true, but you and I are behind on some stuff. Yeah, but I checked the releases and like, eh, it looks like we're going to be streaming something from home next week. Maybe, yeah. Which would be great. Anyways, yeah, that's my hot and bothered this week. All that's right. Great. Well, I'm very fucking bothered by that movie 80 for Brady. You're very bothered by the trailer. Yeah. It what just, didn't you like about it? Just it just makes me mad. But why? Use your words. They're wearing bedazzled football jerseys. They're 80-year-old women going to the Super Bowl. What do you want that them to wear? It doesn't make me like them any You don't more. have to like them, but 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 that doesn't give you a reason to dislike no, the movie. If you want to be on board for this movie, you have to like those characters. And they it's true. annoy me. Well, that's true. You are the opposite of that. You're the opposite of a bedazzled 85-year-old woman. All right. I you hate, are like a leather-clad 90-year-old man. I hate any... <laughs> Woman that wears bedazzled things. I'm gonna just I'm gonna clip that out and post that on social media. I hate any woman. <laughs> just keep that. That yeah. wears bedazzled things. Yeah. They're just it's just so cringy to me. It looks like four Karen's go to the movies, man. It is. And it's fucking Tom Brady. I hate Tom Brady so much. Now I don't care about Tom Brady, as you probably could guess, but um I do think the least fun part of that movie is gonna be like the celebrity athlete cameos. Yeah. I don't care about that. But some people really do. I'll and probably, that'll do well. I'll probably get drunk and stream this on Netflix at like 3 a.m. one day. That's yeah. what yeah. this, That's what time you should watch this movie. I actually think there's a really um, great opportunity for me and you to do um, to do like like you know not un, like not unpredictable, but like what's a word for when nobody thinks we unexpected mm-hmm. unexpected movie reviews like on Patreon. Like if we reviewed that movie randomly, but just like sat, we could even do a thing where like we do it live. And like we pipe in the audio to the movie or have a watch along where people can play our track along with the movie and then just commentate yeah. <laughs> while drinking. Like mystery Science Theater that could 3000 be so much type fun. shit. Yeah. yeah, especially with a movie that isn't so serious. That's a good movie to do It would be so for. fun. That's for sure a talking yeah. movie. Totally. Yeah. Okay, that was But I hate it. And I had to see the trailer two days in a row. Yes, you did. And it made me want to beat my head into the railing that I had my feet on. Sure. So... You got that G11 seat or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, it's good, you know, good seat, man. I know the schematics of every theater in this town. Did you? I'm seeing Six Feet Under. Mm-hmm. Do you watch Six Feet Under? I have started the series Six Feet Under. Oh, I'm thinking of a movie called... No, I'm called... Uh, there's a movie called Six Underground. Sorry, that's yeah. what it is. Okay, never mind. What's Six Feet Under? Uh, Six Feet Under is a series that started in, I want to say, 2001. Yeah, came out in June 2001. And it stars... It's fine. Okay. Gray's there's, just, there's my a cat. cat's letting us know that it's almost time to finish recording. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> she does that. Yeah. So anyways, it stars a very young, uh, very not famous yet, Michael C. Hall, better known as Dexter. Okay. Uh, he plays the youngest son of a family that owns a funeral home and parlor where they, they embalm bodies and whatnot. Yeah, funeral. So, yeah. yeah so he's- A mortuary. A mortuary. Thank sure. you. Uh, and it's his brother, his sister- uh, his mother's played by Rachel Griffiths. You'll recognize her from a few different things. Like what? Uh, she's mostly famous for um, oh, American the, the anthology series. Horror story. Yes, thank you. Uh, and the dad's also super recognizable, but what? he's like not credited. Uh, Richard Jenkins. Richard Jenkins. Plays sure. his father. Sure. And uh, yeah, he is a gay youngest son of a mortician. And it's fascinating familial drama yeah uh it was, i finished white lotus and it came up in the suggested and i've read a lot of things on reddit like how people love six feet under and it was hard to see him as dexter and i'm like that's wild because i only know him as dexter right, right, so right. i want to check out his 
range Sweet. as an actor. It's fascinating. Very good drama, episodical. There's five seasons. It's all on HBO Max. That's I think I just started season three. Uh, really enjoy it. Cool. Great. And you have a movie you're wanting to see. Yeah, it was in the notes last week, and yeah. I wanted to make sure I keep okay. it prominent. Well, then just talk about it um, when you see it. Yeah, Blood Red Sky. Yeah. Yeah, that um, was just for me. Sorry. Cool. Okay, great. Uh, well, then, as usual, the show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi and everybody on Patreon. Big shout out to The Handlebar for their sweet, sweet happy hour and their continued support with advertising on our show. We sure do appreciate it. My name is Max Minardi. My name's Johnny Summers. Thanks for joining us. Remember, folks, watch movies that make you happy or sad that you enjoy. Watch good movies. Watch good movies. That's it. Drink some tasty beers and be good to each other. Remember, people are... People are amazing. We'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.